that is exactly what you're giving me, yourself. Lord, we complain to you because we want your stuff, and yet I think you withhold your stuff so you can give us yourself. And then after you give us Jesus, like St. Paul says, you give us all things with him. Thank you, Lord God. You're good. In Jesus' name we know it. Amen. Kimberly, you want to come up here? Hey, I'm really excited uh, that Kimberly is speaking this morning. And uh, some of you, if you know Kimberly, raise your hand. All right. Okay, Kimberly, uh, you know, uh, has been here at the church working for a couple years as an assistant to Andrew and also to me uh, transcribing sermons. And uh, recently she's taken on this position of program director. Uh, And I'm excited for you to hear her um, because uh, I want you to obey her, okay? And that means like when she tells you to sign up for something, you just do it, okay? Just do it without questions. And... uh, also because, not only because she's, she's coordinating all of us, that's kind of her job, uh, but also because I trust Kimberly's heart. And she has an uh, incredible story to tell, the Lord working in her own life and in her family. Kimberly's married to Angelo, who right now is in with the youth, leading, uh, leading the youth. Uh, she has three children, Annalise and Elisha and Eliana. And uh, Kimberly's uh, story with us really began years ago when she was a missionary with her family in Ukraine and would listen to sermons online, right, or get the booklets or whatever, and then she started communicating with me through email, and then they moved to Denver, and she started working at the church. Well, this morning, she has, I think, a a wonderful message to share with you, and uh, like I said, I just want you to do what she says, okay, but right now, let's let's pray. for Kimberly and for ourselves, right? Father, thank you for Kimberly. Thank you for the word that you've given to her to give to us. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to um, not just hear Kimberly, but to hear you in Kimberly. And that, Lord, we would respond uh, with worship, that that all of our life would be worship. And that, Lord Jesus, we truly would be your body in this world. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would help us to preach. Amen. All right. So since Peter told you to obey me, you'd listen carefully, okay? (laughs) Um, I wanted to start with a few practical things. And um, so I'm going to ask you to get connected to each other. And then later I'm going to explain why. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to start with um, was tangible ways, hand-on ways that you, can, you guys can get connected with each other. And you probably all already know this, but I'm going to bring it up again. And it's signing up for sanctuarypeople.com. And the reason why I so desperately want you to do that is because we're, it's going to be our primary hub of communication. So um, you can see on that slide there, you go to sanctuarypeople.com, and then right there in that right-hand bottom corner, it says sign up. You click on that, you follow the instructions, and then we've even simplified it 
um, so that it's, it's really clear on how to do that on the back of these cards. Um, and, and then through, these, through, being, um, through signing up on sanctuarypeople.com, you're going to be able to browse all the groups that we have. So already we have the current groups at that website, and then uh, they're going to be, you know, as, as the fall kicks off and everything, there will be a few new groups, too, that you can look at. So um, the, then the next way that you can get connected is through Connect Gatherings. And the reason why I put this slide up here is I want you to know that you can go right to our website and you can see exactly, like, follow the instructions again of, well, how do I, okay, so I'm, I'm signing up for Sanctuary People. I don't maybe necessarily get how to browse groups, how to find connect gatherings. Well, that'll explain to you how to do that. And then I also just wanted to clarify what a, a connect gathering is. So a connect gathering is uh, a group of people, and usually they're started by members of our church. And so you just have something that you love, that you're passionate about, that you want to share with others. You know, it could be like anything from poetry reading or hiking or uh, to, to deeper studies or whatever. You come to me, you let me know what, what you want to do, and then I will try and help you start that group. Now, if you don't want to start a group, then you can just um, go and browse these groups and find out what, uh, what you'd like to be a part of. Uh, part of. Now, in your, this isn't a li big lifelong commitment or anything. It's kind of, you can even just show up to one at a time. Um, then the next way, oh, and I want to also show you, uh, we're, we have a calendar, so that's the next slide. Um, and so we just got started on that, but with, by the 1st of September, that will have all of the groups that we're currently running. So if you're wondering, that's another way just to look briefly at what's going on and then what time things are happening and everything. So, and then that fi the final main way to get connected would be life groups. Now, a lot of our life groups are <clears throat> closed. As I'm calling people and I'm asking them, hey, would you be willing to have new people in your life group? A lot of people are saying, actually, they're like my family and I totally love them and we're sorry, but we really kind of just want to keep it to ourselves. So, I am looking for people who would be open to starting a life group. And let me just read a short definition of what a life group is, but <clears throat> life groups are small groups of people that commit to meeting for a period of time, sharing their lives with each other. And if you don't have a group of close Christian friends, then again, I'd really encourage you to get involved um, in one of these. And, and you know, if we don't have leaders, but you're like, man, that's something that I really would love to do, um, come and talk to me, and we'll just put your name down and your information, your neighborhood, and we'll just pray and say, God, bring the right people together, and be patient with that, because it might take a while, because it's really about finding people to do life together. Um, so at, at the end of the service, uh, if you want to, I, I put these little cards, little sheets of paper in front of you, and they're, they're just to kind of give me an idea of what you might be interested in. You know, if you don't want to fill one out, that's okay. Um, I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but you can just click. Well, what, what am I kind of interested in? What days am I available? Uh, or, sorry, tick that, put a check in it. And then uh, you can just hand them to either Frances, she'll be at the Connect Center at the back, or um, Susan, okay? So um, that's enough of practicalities, I think. So um, now we'll get started with the message. So I know it's one thing to ask you guys to get connected, but it's easier said than done, right? I mean, we're all from different areas. We're kind of a commuter church. We're busy. You know, we have, some of us have young kids. Some of us are super busy at work. Um, 
And some of us have been hurt through connecting or trying to get connected in the past. You know, maybe at different churches, maybe even here. And I totally get that and struggle with those things myself. So having said that, I want to acknowledge that, but I also want to call us in, um, into moving beyond the things that hold us back from relationship and into the things that move us into relationship with each other, our neighbors, and the world. So let's pray. Father, I ask that you would speak your heart through me today. And I ask that you would call us into relationship with you and each other, not out of a should, not out of compulsion, but out of the romancing of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, and I pray that you would be glorified through the speaking of your word today. Open hearts and let us hear your voice in Jesus' name. So a couple months ago, I watched this movie. And um, have you ever just watched a movie and it just kind of really impacts you? You can't get it out of your head, and as you're watching it, it's having like a deep, profound emotional <laughs> impact on you. Well, this was this movie called Like Crazy for me, and it, um, it literally felt, as I was watching the movie, like just my heart was being kind of ripped out of my chest and stomped on, and I was just kind of a mess of emotions. And so I couldn't help but ask the question, why? Why am I feeling this way? Well, this, this movie, Like Crazy, is about a young couple that falls in love, and they have a really special closeness. Um, Jacob is from LA, and Anna is from the UK. And um, throughout the course of this movie, you, you watch them fall in love, and then, um, and then it comes time where her visa is about to run out, and uh, she's about to have to go, and she makes this choice. You know what? I'm not going to go. I'm too in love with you. I can't leave. Um, and so because of her choice to overstay her visa, early on in the relationship, Anna is kept from Jacob. <clears throat> and then only after a few months after overstaying, um, she naively tries to return to the U.S. So she goes back to the U.K., she's only there for a few weeks or whatever, and then tries to get back in. And she's sent home at the border. The couple tries everything possible to get back together, and Jacob comes to visit her a few times to keep the love alive. Once they finally realize they will not be able to fix the visa problem, they try to fix it through marriage. So they actually get married, and they've been told that once they're married, after six months, everything is going to be okay. They'll be able to live in the States together happily ever after. But sadly, even this attempt doesn't work out. They go through all sorts of frustrations, obstacles, until finally, I think it's at least, it doesn't really give a clear time frame, but I think it's at least two years from when they got married that they're finally reunited. But when they're reunited, it's like they're so traumatized by their love and the adversity that they faced and the mistakes they've made in the midst of it, they're awkward with each other at love. In the end, they must choose. Is love really worth it? So as I was saying, I was asking myself, well, why did this shake me up so badly? And I thought, well, maybe it's because I've been in a hard, long-distance relationship and that stirs stuff up for me. Or maybe it's because my husband's a foreigner and uh, I know what it's like to come back and try to get into the United States with him. And that, you know, at the border, the border guards are so warm and welcoming to me. They're like, welcome home, Mrs. Wayman, and how are you? And what, did, what were you doing overseas? And, oh, well, I hope, you're, I hope you enjoy your time here while you're here. And so it's like being welcomed home. And then I step through that gate, and my husband walks in, and it's an interrogation. Why are you here? How long will you be staying? Did you realize that you stayed over, overstayed your visa in 1997? And that, da, 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 you know, and they've taken him to back rooms and... 
uh, interrogated him, really. And actually, the last time when we moved back to the United States, he barely made it through the border, even though we did everything that we were supposed to do. But they let him through. They went through this whole green card process. And miraculously, actually, a green card appeared in our mailbox. <laughs> so I know what this is like. So but I was saying, God, is that, is that why this was so traumatizing to me? But actually, after seeking uh, what, he, you know, what was going on for me, I realized that it reminded me of my love affair with the church, with the body of Christ, and what I had been through. Um, <clears throat> so do you remember when you first found God in his church, when you were first romanced by his spirit? For me, it was amazing. Um, I wanted to spend every waking moment in the church. I dreamed about how to show God how I loved him, and the church and the people in it were almost beautiful and magical, like something other. <laughs> and so, and I've had seasons like that all through my Christian walk. Um, as a teenager, I, I loved being in the church, and I'd ask the pastor if I could come in and play the piano in the middle of the week, and I'd just sit there for hours and play and play and play, just to be kind of in God's house. And then in Ukraine, one, all sorts of wonderful experiences, again, staying up all night, all night prayer meetings, and sitting around in a circle with a guitar and singing. So um, I wanted to show you this clip of Anna and Jacob, because it reminds me of what it was like when I was first falling in love with the church and God. Do you remember ever feeling that way about the church? Totally in love, like you couldn't get enough? Maybe you're there even right now. Well, in the movie, Jacob and Anna are crazy in love, and their love hinders Anna's good judgment. She knows she shouldn't stay in the US, but she does, as I'd mentioned before. And just a little bit longer than she should have, but because of it, she's rejected at the border. So let's watch that clip. Los Angeles International Airport. 
airport travelers. The TSA has limited the items that may be carried through the screening checkpoints. Please state your reason for entering the country. Uh, I'm going to be on holiday. Okay. And where will you be staying? In Santa Monica. It appears you violated your prior visa. Were you aware of that? Um, but I'm traveling as a tourist this time. Wait right here, please. pushed away at the border. I can. There have been times where I loved the body of Christ so much, I was willing to do outrageously foolish, unwise things for the sake of love. No matter what it cost me, I tried, but the border guards, teachers, sometimes pastors, other believers, leaders of organizations we were with, my own shame, guilt, fear, wouldn't let me. We get a taste of deep belonging and then we're told sometimes by others, sometimes by ourselves, always by the enemy, we don't belong. It's devastating. You know, I think sometimes the church can be like this border guard, well-intending, a good law-abiding citizen, but a hindrance to love. I think sometimes I myself can be like a border guard unto myself, well-intending, but a hindrance to love. I remember the first time I felt like an alien, like I didn't belong, at least the first time I can remember. I was about six years old. I went to a Christian Bible camp, and I was already a Christian, but I was so moved by what they were saying, I wanted to go through the whole experience again. 
And when they gave the altar call, I went up and I said, I'd like to follow Jesus. They asked me a few questions that I couldn't answer well enough and informed me that I wasn't ready to be a Christian. In other words, I didn't have what I needed to cross the border. The law and the keepers of the law were trying to keep me from love. Now, I don't resent those people. God uses border guards, especially in his bigger plan. In this movie, from, time, from the time of their first mistake, they try to do everything legally. Legal appeals, waiting things out patiently while separated. You know, for a long time, I tried to fulfill the law, especially since I had so many spiritual border guards telling me that that was the only way to love. I got so discouraged. It seemed like no matter how hard I tried, it was never enough. And just like in the movie, it led me away from his body, and sadly, into more sin. But why did it lead me into sin? Well, because I'd gotten a taste of how sweet and wonderful it was to be with his body. Nothing could fulfill that, and I couldn't stand the ache in my heart, and I was trying to numb it. So what good did these border guards, these Pharisees, these guardians of the law have in my life? Well, through them I saw my own sin. I saw how empty it is, how it doesn't fulfill, and it gave me a deeper craving for God's love. So there was and there still is an inner turmoil in me. On the one hand, I've never experienced such amazing love and unity with anyone like I have with the body of Christ. But on the other hand, I've never experienced such deep pain and wounding from anyone like I have from the body of Christ. You know, we're all members of his body, Pharisees, Gentiles, and some of us are aware that we're part of his body, and some of us are unaware. This tension has gone on my entire life of loving the body, but also being hurt by the body. I love his body, and yet I'm terrified of his ability to hurt me, its ability to hurt me. At the end of the movie, Anna finally receives permission to return to the US she, so she can live again with Jacob, her love. She and Jacob have been on a painful roller coaster of love. They've, been on, they've both been unfailing in love at times, and other times they've been unfaithful to each other. They've both experienced the most joyful times in their lives and the most painful. So here's a clip from when Anna finally arrives back in the US. This is like two years since the time that they were married, and she has just returned with Jacob from the airport. She sees his house that he's lived in for the se several years without her. He lived with her for a time in England, but it didn't last. It's incredibly awkward, it's painful, and they're both almost at a loss for words and actions. Anna, somewhat hopelessly, kind of gives up and says, well, I'm gonna go take a shower. Jacob, though fearful of what love can do to him, takes one more dive into hope and says, I'll join you. And so, right before this clip starts, they're in the shower, and there's this long, awkward, what do we do with each other? Now let's watch the final clip of the movie.
watched this last night, I was reminded of, um, in Revelation, what the church is told when they've gotten lukewarm in their love. They're reminded to do the things that they first did. And they're doing that. They're remembering what they did at first. Um, Well, as I mentioned earlier, this movie reminds me of my love affair with the body of Christ. That is kind of where I am right now. Kind of awkward. I come to the sanctuary with a deep longing and a desire that this whole love thing, that this whole love thing with his body will work out. But I also come with fears of something once again alienating me and isolating me from his body. Plus, his body has hurt me. At times been unfaithful and aloof, and at times I've done the same thing to his body. I wonder if there are others of you who might feel that way, who long for closeness with the body but are a bit afraid or a bit awkward. You've been beaten down maybe by love. Well, I hope this brings you hope. You're not alone. I'm with you. And although it's scary and awkward, my prayer is that we as his body, no matter what stage we're, we're in, that we'll step towards love, we'll embrace each other, and remember what it is to love. You know, in my own life, I often look at the happy times, like that first clip that I showed you, the romance stage of the love affair with his body, and I look at that as the goal, like that's where I'm supposed to go. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have fun with each other, that we shouldn't be riding go-karts around and laughing and playing. I think that's important, and it revives love. It's going back to the things that we did at first. But I will say, in this scene, I see a deeper, more Christ-like love than I saw in the first scene. They both made big personal sacrifices to get back together and work on love. They have both had to overcome fears, give up job opportunities, careers, other people they loved, and even give up themselves to get to this point. Maybe sometimes true love looks different than we think it should. So now, here at the sanctuary, it feels like I'm being reunited with my first love, but we're kind of awkward and a bit scared at times. We have to remember how to love and decide if we want to take that risk. Is it worth it? Well, loving each other, Christ's body, has a greater purpose than just teaching us how to love. It also has the purpose of participating, us participating, in the reconciliation of the entire world to Christ. So let's read Ephesians 2. <clears throat> and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy sanctuary, temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, the scripture says we once, so formerly, we were aliens, but we no longer are. So early on when those Bible camp leaders were telling me that I'm an alien, they were wrong. They were speaking a lie. And when I believed them, I was believing a lie. Can you imagine that? His body telling his body a lie. And that lie was, you're an alien, and you have to make yourself a member. Christ hasn't made you a member of his body. You have to make yourself one. Can you imagine how horrible it would have been if Anna, after years of working towards being with her first love and being separated from him, found out that she could have crossed that border and been with her love all along? That the rules that she broke and the punishment that she had to pay had already been paid all along? That would have been good news but painful to hear. So many years lost, so many mistakes made, and it didn't have to be that way. I think that's what happens in so many churches today. They're filled with ill-informed border guards. The border guards think they're doing the right thing, but in reality, they're spreading a lie. You see, when people ask what you preach at the sanctuary, well, what's the urgency? Why, if everyone's gonna get saved, then why preach? Why tell people the good news? Well, that's the urgency of the gospel right there. That's why we need to call out to each other and the whole world, you're not an alien because the border has already been demolished, destroyed. The debt has been paid. So we need to preach, you're not an alien. The debt has been paid. Come join the body and enjoy the body. See, I think most of us know there are plenty of churches acting as border guards. Which leads me to my question of the day. Who is the sanctuary and what are we called to do? Well, for starters, I think the sanctuary is not a place for us to go. We are to be a place for the rest of the body to go, to come to. And we are to be the place for God to come to, to go, to dwell. So, who are we? Well, in more detail, let's start with who we were. So, 
We were dead. We walked in the course of this world. We were aliens to God's family. We were citizens of this world, slaves to sin, separated from Christ. If we still live as though we are dead, believing these lies, although scripture tells us they are lies, we're following the ways of this world and the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. But who are we now? Well, according to the truth, according to what God has already accomplished, we are alive, being built up, joined as his dwelling, aliens to this world, citizens of God's family, raised up in him and brought near. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's all in the past tense. We've been raised up and we've been seated. Now, there's a lie that has been believed by his church for centuries, and it is the lie that there's still a dividing wall of hostility. Listen to Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, speaking to the Gentiles. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. It's already happened. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So there was a dividing line of hostility. There was a border, the law, all before the cross, all before Jesus' sacrifice. And that law is the belief that work in the flesh by human hands brings us near. The church has had a history of creating dividing walls. Somehow, over and over, we call ourselves the circumcised, the chosen few, the ones who have it all together. We're like unfriendly border guards to both each other and the world. We've been standing at a border telling people they don't have the right documents, when in reality, the walls of the border have already been abolished. Can you imagine if we went to Berlin and we were standing at the Berlin Wall telling East Berliners that they have no right to come into West Berlin, when in reality there has been no border for 25 years? That's what we as the church have done. <clears throat> Scripture says Christ in his flesh fulfilled the law and has destroyed the dividing wall. The very thing the Pharisees and we point to to judge others, Jesus has done away with. He did it in his flesh, and he calls us to live it out as his flesh, his body on earth today. We are called to be reminders that the wall is demolished. So just like I believed a lie at that Bible camp, the church has also believed a lie, that there is still a dividing wall. But according to Paul in Ephesians 2, 14 to 18, he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you are an alien. Believe the truth. You have already been brought near. But what often happens is when we hear this good news, we walk all the way across the bridge, but forget our calling to be God's body. We go from this side, the then, to the now and we get caught in an us and them mentality. We forget our calling that we are to be Christ's body. And so we speak a lie, we create the lie that there is a dividing wall. We become the judge. 
So back to the question of the day. Who is a sanctuary, and what are we called to do? We are to be the sanctuary in between, the sanctuary that takes up our cross and follows our Savior and invites his entire body back to him. The sanctuary, so one, the sanctuary is not a place for us to go. We are to be a place for the rest of his body to go, and we are to go to the rest of the body. We are to be willing we are to be willing to be the dwelling place of God and to do what he did and to take up our cross and follow him. And where are we called to do this? Right on the place where the lie dwells, on that imaginary dividing wall, in the very place where Jesus fulfilled the law, where the dividing wall was abolished, on the cross and at the foot of the cross. We are called to live out as his flesh, his body on earth today, the truth that there is no dividing wall. The wall is demolished. We are called to preach the good, <laughs> the good news that we are all no longer aliens. We have been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. We are to be reconciled to God in one body, and we're, part we're to be participants in the killing of hostility between the body. The abolishment of enmity and we, in the flesh, in his body, as his body. So we do work as his body. We are participants in his creation of one man in himself. We participate in his ministry of reconciliation, surrendering our flesh to death that we might be resurrected in him, that he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. We are to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. We are to preach as he preached, equal access of all to the Father in one spirit. We are to live as citizens and saints of his household and tell others that they too are citizens and saints of his household. We are to be fitted together with each other and all of humanity into a holy sanctuary, a dwelling place in the Lord, and we are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So who is the sanctuary? We're in him and he's also in us. And we are to remember that our position is a gift and not something we ourselves create. And the sanctuary consists of every church everywhere, every people group. It consists of an entire world being invited, needing to hear the message, you are not an alien, you have been brought close. So I wanna invite you to start here. We're the sanctuary in the middle, called to live on the imaginary dividing wall and reaching out to sinners and inviting them into the sanctuary, going out to them and coming in and going out to the church and inviting them in to being the sanctuary. But how, is, how do I think that can best start? I think that can best start by us taking down any dividing walls that we have in our hearts towards each other right here in this room and getting connected and being, surrendering to being built up in him. On the night he was betrayed, by his body, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. 
do this in remembrance of me. And you are his body. And sometimes we're broken too. So that we can be built back up together in him. And then he said, this is the cup. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of it, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he wants to pour us out to each other, to the world. So this is his broken body, his blood shed. It's killed the hostility. It's abolished the dividing wall, fulfilled the law, and brought you near. Now he calls you to live out the reality that you are his body. As you take the bread, may you be filled with peace, knowing you are not an alien. You abide in him, and he abides in you. Come to the table. All right, so um, just as we were singing that too, you're all I want, you're all I need. Um, Last night as we were singing that, I had this thought, I can sing that, but you can't really say all I want is someone and not want their body. And so I want to call us to not only wanting God and his presence, but wanting his body, wanting each other, wanting to love each other. And so now a few words from me, and then a few words from Jesus, a prayer that he, he uh, gave us. So abide in love. Don't be afraid to be one with his body. Don't be afraid to let him build us into each other so that the world may know. Even if it's hurt, even if it hurts, trust love, trust him, and be built up into his sanctuary. You, hidden in him, and him, hidden in you. So hear this word from John 17. It's Jesus' prayer for us and for all. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. And so go and be built up in the Lord into each other. And Barry was um, given paid in ice cream at one point for a pumpkin thing he did. And so he wants to share that with you. So you can go downstairs into the gallery and just enjoy some ice cream and hopefully be built into each other. So bless you.